Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 160 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. Uh, for the Wednesday show, this week we'll be joined by Adi Joseph of USA Today, formerly of the Sporting News. Adi is one of the best in the business when it comes to the NBA, so that conversation is coming quickly. But something happened after we recorded this podcast on Tuesday afternoon. That was that DeAndre Bembry was assigned to the NBA D-League. He'll be joining the Salt Lake City Stars for the next, uh, well, we actually don't know how long, but we uh, will be in Salt Lake City for a little bit here. Um, no big surprise to me, but I want to hit on that before we got to the conversation because I just I did not know that happened at the time of the recording. Uh, Bembry has, has only played three minutes of uh, actual court time uh, in the month of March. Uh, he's basically buried on the depth chart. Uh, he's been... He's been uh, Inactive a couple of times uh, over the last you know month or so, and uh, even if he is active, he's not been a member of the rotation. So this is not a big surprise to me, and I'm always okay with guys going going down to the D League, getting some playing time. The Hawks have used that method a number of times before, so no no big shock there. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the week as we get more information as to potentially how long he's going to be there and how he plays, et cetera, et cetera. But for now, uh, DeAndre is in the, in the D-League beginning on Tuesday evening, and we'll see what happens from there. As for this podcast, uh, please uh, enjoy the conversation with, with Adi. Um, we'll, we'll be back again on Thursday to talk about something else, of course, what, you know, the rest of the Atlanta Hawks uh, goings on as we as we, all, as we always examine on this podcast and of course the game on Thursday night against the Memphis Grizzlies so we'll be back tomorrow uh, please enjoy the podcast leave us a five-star review etc cetera, etc cetera, and enjoy the podcast here is Adi. Adi thanks for joining me man what's going on? Hey uh I'm good I'm good it's snowing here which I, I doubt it is in Atlanta but I'm not it's all it, good. It is not snowing here are you you're back in New York right? Yes I am in New York after a couple years in Charlotte. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I can't, I've, I've heard some things about the weather that's going on up there, so I'm, I don't envy you. It is cold by Atlanta standards. I think it's somewhere in the mid 40s today, which I'm sure you're envious of at this point. But uh, yeah. yeah, don't don't want don't want to get you down up there for sure. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, thanks for joining me, man, for sure. Um, I guess the first thing I wanted to ask you about, um, I feel like we talk about Paul Millsap all the time on this podcast, as you might imagine being in a Hawks podcast, but most of the time it's just me saying Paul Millsap's really good. So I wanted to ask you, as, as someone who covers the entire league, you know, I guess the simplest way to put it would be, uh, how good is Paul Millsap when, uh, when trying to uh, evaluate him versus the other sort of quote-unquote star-level players in the NBA? Yeah, I think Paul is um, so perpetually underrated that he's not – underrated among the people who like to discuss who's underrated if that all makes sense if you can follow that logic absolutely right i think (laughs) um i think uh you know there's a lot of people who would just it, it it they would not be able to comprehend the argument that paul Millsap is better than say paul george it wouldn't it wouldn't make sense to them or paul Millsap is better than say kyrie irving but what Paul does 
is so important and everything that he does for the Hawks is everything that they wouldn't there's simply not a replacement Paul Millsap which is what's so scary about his free agency um you know he he's one of the most versatile defensive players in the league he's one of the most versatile offensive players in the league and he's been doing it for a long time and obviously last year was the best year of his career no question he has not been quite as good this year he's missed some shots that he shouldn't miss he's his, even even on the defensive end, he had quite been quite as excellent as he was last year. But he's still so irreplaceable because he does so many things inside and outside the box score that I think of him as a top five player in the Eastern Conference. Um, I think last year he was the second best player in the Eastern Conference. And this year, certainly Jimmy Butler and John Wall have been better than him, but there haven't been many players better than him. I feel like a lot of people are going to be uh, surprised by that statement. I think I'm closer to where you are than where a lot of people are on Paul, and I think I talk about him in that way. But I think, you know, obviously people are going to be jarred by uh, sort of the company that you're putting him in there. Uh, You mentioned his free agency. I was something I wanted to ask you about as well, and sort of a bridge to that now is, you know, he's 32. Uh, He'll be facing uh, what people assume to be a max or at least close to max contract. I threw out the number on a previous podcast. It's like five years and about 200-ish million dollars, which is is a crazy amount if they wanted to give him the Max, what do you think the Hawks should do, uh, provided that he's not going to give them a huge discount? Because that's obviously the best case scenario, but I think that's not terribly likely. So I'm wondering what you think the Hawks should do. I guess it's, it's more of a uh, an overarching question because uh, it's, not, it's it's never just one decision, but uh, in a vacuum, I guess. Uh, do you think the Hawks should give him that contract and maybe just let it weigh out and see what they should go from if, if he uh, walks away? Hey, uh, I think this is a really complicated situation because Paul is. Um, He's such a, a good, important player again, like I said. But at the same time, you can't give this guy a five-year max. You can't. There's no, no one should do that. I mean, obviously the Hawks are the only team that can give him the five-year max. But he's 32. You don't get any younger. And on top of that, he's a guy who – I think there's a misconception with Paul because he kind of developed into an all-star late in his career that he didn't play – like he, he, he's not particularly worn down. If anything, his early jazz years when he was banging in the post all the time probably took more out of him than what he's done for the Hawks. If you go back and look, the year he played the most minutes, he was playing 34 minutes a game in 2010-11 before a lot of people even knew who he was. That was kind of the year he put himself on the map. But he used to be a rebounder who banged inside all the time. And I just I don't know how much longer he can be the versatile defensive presence he is now and if he's not that if he can't continue to switch on to small forwards or centers um you know I think he he might be a couple years removed from being a a six-man type and then in a couple years after that is you know by the time he's 36 by the time this contract would be ending who knows how much he'll have in the tank at all so you don't want to lock up your future salary cap on a guy this old a 32 year old and um I think that the best way to address it would be to see what else is out there for him. And I'm sure, knowing the way Mike Budenholzer and Wes Wilcox do their business, that they are not going to overspend spend more than they're comfortable on for, for anyone. 
Yeah, I tend to agree with you. It does worry me a little bit just because uh, I think they, I mean, there was at least that brief period of time where it was rumored to be where they were looking at offers for Paul, but that kind of went away quickly. And, uh, you know, losing your best player, or at least one of your two best players, uh, two years in a row for nothing in free agency is uh, not exactly the model way to do business in the NBA. But at the same time, you know, losing him for nothing is probably better than uh, paying him an exorbitant amount that's going to bite you. And I've been, uh, you know, as much as you and I both are very, very high on Paul, judging by the sound of things, I think uh, I definitely agree with you. Like paying him that that deal is uh, not going to be a good thing. And I, the Hawks won't do it. I, I, I would agree with you on that on that stance. I do think that there's a possibility that, that they give him, if not a five-year max or close to five-year max, they might be uh, giving him the, the biggest four-year max. Maybe that's maybe that's the uh, the uh, I don't know the compromise in there. And even then, I, that won't be a good contract. I think we're probably going to agree with that. I just I, I don't know I don't know what they do now though because they went they went past the trade deadline without uh, moving on from him. They have a couple of older guys who are on longer contracts with Dwight Howard and Kent Bazemore, who is you know Bazemore sort of the example of the Hawks actually you know probably overpaying for somebody. I want to ask you about them uh, later on in the podcast, but I don't know they're kind of in a rock and a hard place spot now because if you let them go, you're almost certainly not going to be even. Uh, maybe you'll, maybe you'll be an eight seed contender next year unless you can f- find a way to patch a replacement for him. But e- e- even if you let him go, there's not going to be a ton of cap space available to you. And uh, as we all know, you know Dwight was probably the biggest free agent the Hawks have signed in quite some time. So it's really kind of a an adventure if you don't sign him. If that makes sense. Yeah, I, I just think I think that we sort of overstate the um, you don't want to lose him for nothing. I don't think you Kevin Durant you don't want to lose him for nothing. Paul Millsap as good as he is again. 32-year-old Paul Millsap, sometimes you're just going to lose a guy like that for nothing. And it's not the, – the Hawks were right not to trade Paul because they're pretty good this year. And trading him would have gutted that. Let's not forget that they're building around Dwight now. And and he's, you know, himself 31 years old. He's actually younger than, than Paul, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things where you, you didn't give away – Paul Millsap, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're tying your entire franchise to Paul Millsap. That would be crazy even if he was 28. Um, Obviously, if he was 28, he'd be unquestionably worth the full five-year max contract, but you'd still want to be surrounding him with good players. Um, At 32, I I mean, I I think the ideal scenario would be like if you could get him to sign up for five years, 125, and just be like, we want you to retire as a Hawk. We really do. This will take you. You'll be 37 when this deal ends. You'll be making 25 million a year, which isn't really even close to your max under today's contract, but is more than your max would have been just a couple years ago. Um, if you can get him to sign on for like five years, 20, uh, 125 million, you can feel okay about that contract in today's salary landscape, and um, you can still build around him and around Dwight. Where where I don't. I, I, what worries me about, you know, a, a player like Paul is um, if you commit that to him, you need to also be committing some you need to, you need to find yourself a backup. You need to keep Ersan Eliasova or do something like that, um, because there, he's entering the stage where uh, even though he's been a healthy player his whole career, an injury could happen. And um, you just can't let right now. He doesn't before they got Eliasova. It was like, OK, so now they're playing Dwight and Muscala together i mean that's not ideal either so you need to start protecting paul a little bit too limited he's he's luckily hasn't played a ton of minutes until this year but um you know get him down to 32 minutes a game consistently maybe even 30 minutes a game because if you're going to give him that long if you're going to give him that long buy then you need to start protecting him like a player you have a lot invested in 
For sure. And that all makes sense. And I think, you know, the only way I'd be okay with signing him to that kind of deal is, 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 is one in which uh, you're taking a big discount, which is what you're, which I think you'd be doing there. I think Paul would get more than that, at least for, on an annual basis from somebody else. But if you, yeah. you know, he, he, he does like it in Atlanta, you know, he's not from far away. He's definitely been vocal about the fact that he enjoys being a Hawk and uh, you know, he's the best player on the team and has been the centerpiece now, um, at least for this season as the as unquestioned best player. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Paul does. I don't want to keep, keep going on that. Cause we, we obviously have, uh, you know, four, I do think this. I do think you're right that he'll he'll probably someone will probably happily offer him three years thirty. Oh and, yeah, and I mean, I, I, I mean three think, years I ninety. Minimum. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think three it, years ninety, and yeah. I think at minimum, honestly, I think you might see a team get desperate and offer him, if not the four year max for them. Uh, close to it, perhaps, because so you know once the once the dust settles and all of the top free agents that we expect to probably stay where they are, Millsap, uh, at least at this moment, you know that contract wise, you know maybe not maybe not the best value in the world, but you know as as, as a player of this moment, he's uh, on the short list of best guys that are going to be available. So the teams get desperate, it could get kind of ugly for the Hawks. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, we talked about Dwight a little bit there. I think Dwight being an old 31 is probably accurate considering he came out of high school and has a ton of miles. But what have your impressions been about Dwight in Atlanta to this point? Obviously, there were some whispers around him, uh, I guess, this weekend locally because the Hawks are now 5-1 and one when he doesn't play. And that's a really small sample, but they look just completely different when he, when he leaves the court. And I'm wondering what your impressions have been of just him in general on this team and what you think he can be the next two years. Because uh, if he plays just like he does this year, I think he's probably at least reasonably paid. Yeah, um, well, certainly, I think it would be hard to argue that they play a little better offensively without him. They play a little better defensively with him. Um, that's kind of been the story of Dwight for the last couple of years since he became less effective. Um, I have to say, I was not a fan of. of I, first of all, I'll say <laughs> I don't believe that I don't believe Dwight Howard's been better than Al Horford for three, four years. Agreed. Um, and I think that this year certainly has held that up. Um, but you know, it, it, it was what it was. They made the decision because for a lot of reasons. And I think that they felt, um, they felt that Dwight had the potential to at least be a stabilizing force and a piece of continuity for them. Um, a guy who, who could help ease this transition if they were to lose Millsap. Cause I, they definitely knew that that was a possibility this off season. There was no question that that was a possibility this this past off season that they that they might lose Millsap in a year, and as a result, like it's hard for me to be super negative because he did give them a little bit of a hometown discount, or maybe he didn't have other offers, but he didn't come in at the full max. You know, Horford's making a lot more than him. Um, he doesn't quite fit with what I would want the Hawks to be doing at the center position. Um, even if even if he was prime Dwight, I don't think he'd be the exact right fit, but I think they'd be really really good with him. Um, and so there's not really a whole lot of places to move with Dwight right now. He's not, he's obviously not near his prime yet. He's still putting up 13 and 13 every night. He seems to have accepted his minimal touches. You know, I don't know. I, I, I don't know why exactly he doesn't even get the ball more. I, I you could argue it, it wouldn't flow into the offense, but you could certainly argue he's their most efficient scorer. Um, and, uh, so he accepted that role, which was good. And, and, you know, he's, he's really not a bad guy to have around. He's, he's a very positive person who um, can be a little emotional, but, and, and maybe a little not taking things seriously enough, but um, he, he's a veteran presence. He does play deep on both ends. He, you know, he rebounds very well. So 
I'm not anti Dwight Howard. I just don't know where what I where I place him right now. He's just kind of a Hall of Famer who's 31 years old and already sort of feels out of place and like his career might as well be over almost. Yeah, it's 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 really weird. Obviously, I didn't like it either. For people that listen to the podcast, I'm sure they're laughing because that's my, been a well known opinion of mine. But I think for my expectations of Dwight, he's been as good as I possibly could have thought he'd be this year. You know, he's not really been a disruption. There's been a, there was one whisper, uh, I believe it was a Zach Lowe report that said him and Dennis Schroeder were not getting along. I've seen a couple of things on the court that would suggest that probably wasn't crazy. Um, but at the same time, like it hasn't been a full on blow up. The locker room seems to be reasonably fine, and he's rebounded well. Um, that was the one thing I think the Hawks knew they were going to get from Howard was a better rebounder. That's the one thing that we all know he's better at than Al Horford and the Hawks. I hate that, by the way. I know I'm with you all the way. (laughs) So here's the thing, like, like the, the, like every, everyone outside the Celtics organization was saying the Celtics need rebounding. No, they don't. Rebounding is something you can win without. It is well proven as the Hawks last year, this year, (laughs) um, the Hawks had the number two defense in the NBA last year without rebounding. The Celtics have had an elite defense for years under Brad Stevens without rebounding. Rebounding is something that if you want to hang your hat on it, you can, but you really don't need it. And you're not going to miss it that much if you find the right other big men, the, the more versatile big men who can do more things. And so, you know, this this whole notion that the Hawks have needed, uh, the storyline that the Hawks needed rebounding all these years, I mean, I guess we'll see what happens in the playoffs, but <laughs> I don't see that. I don't see that being the the, the difference maker. I think the Hawks needed perhaps another big man, but it didn't need to be a, bit, a rebounder because, you know, Mascala wasn't quite ready to take on the role of being a true number two big man back then. Um, you know, Peril Antich wasn't good. That was another issue. So, you know, if this version of Mike Mascala was playing on last year or two years ago's Hawks teams, I think they would have been a little better. I think they would have been, uh, I think that would have been a big improvement factor for them. Yeah, you and I are in lockstep on the rebounding thing, to be sure. Uh, I've made fun of the rebounding thing for quite some time now because even if you look at the numbers from this year to last year for the entire Hawks team across the board, the only thing this team is better at is rebounding this year. The only thing. Mm-hmm. They're worse on yep. offense. They're worse on defense. They're worse everywhere except rebounding. And it makes it make, kind of made my point even easier uh, go, going back because that was, again, the only thing that Dwight is better at. And listen, you know, the Hawks proved that they can be good without it. And, then, you know, the Cleveland matchup made people angry uh, the last couple of years because it was an awful matchup for the Hawks. Uh, Tristan Thompson, you know, killed Al Horford in, in the playoffs a couple of times. I, I understand that. Um, but, you know, I think it was probably an overreaction, but, uh, you know, that's probably another thing for another day. But the Hawks can certainly build without rebounding, but I think they probably over, over-prioritized it. But, you know, back back to Dwight, I think he was, you know, he's been fine. Um, you know, two years now on $48 million that he's owed. We'll see what we'll see what happens with that. Uh, I'm not sure that's the best uh, contract in the world, but it's also not the worst in the world. And if they wanted to move it, maybe they could. If they wanted to go in a different direction, perhaps if Millsap leaves and they wanted to get a little bit younger, they sort of redo it a little bit on the fly. They might be able to get rid of Dwight. We'll see what happens there. But I kind of agree with you uh, across the board there. He's just fine at this point. It's kind of a – it's almost a non-story without being a story. I don't know. It's It's a weird thing because – I think the Hawks wanted to at least hope that he might sell some tickets as well, and that hasn't happened. The attendance is actually down this year versus last year. Uh, for me, that's probably because the team is worse uh, and, and less watchable. But I don't know. That's anecdotal. But the team, you know, that he definitely did not sell tickets in his triumphant return home. So there's a lot. There's a lot going no on one, with Dwight. <laughs> no one. No, there's not Dwight Howard fans. Oh, I it's know. Just not there can't be. And so, like, I mean, maybe Atlanta is the one place where he might have had fans, but there's the not fun. really yeah. people who like Dwight. There's not. So. He's not. A, he's never been a superstar who was um, like a like a sexy superstar who was going to really draw in the, the crowds. But at least when he was on the Magic, he had Magic fans who loved him and adored him. But now he doesn't really have fans. 
Yeah, and I feel like I'm painting it as like something of a Howard Hader, which is not really true. I think at his peak, he was absolutely incredible, uh, and it's just he's not that guy anymore, which is fine. Yeah. And it's not his fault that um, you know his market's kind of dried up a little bit. As you mentioned last last year, I'm not sure he would have gotten more money somewhere else. Maybe he would have, but uh, anyway, we can move off of Dwight. I wanted to ask you about one more guy, and then I'll let you get out of here. Uh, is Kent Bazemore. Uh, I think that some Hawks fans have turned on Bazemore this year. A lot of that's probably contract-related, but he also has not played quite as well. Uh, I'm wondering what you think of Bazemore moving forward. Uh, you know, I'm, For me, it looks like that contract's probably going to be a, a loss regardless of what happens, but uh, do you see him bouncing back at all, or do you think this is kind of what he is now? Hawks fans turn on players. Yes, they do. <laughs> you guys are serious about that. Like, FT goes from being oh, Jeff Teague's the most underrated point guard in the league to Jeff Teague. We need, we don't, we need to get rid of Jeff Teague. He's holding back, um, you know, uh, Schroeder. And uh, Kent, uh, Kyle Korver goes from, yes, he absolutely deserves to be an all-star to we need to get rid of him. He's hurting our team. Um, you know, Kent Bazemore is now apparently on that side. I didn't, I didn't quite realize that. It, I think, uh, I, I think it's the contract, honestly. People, you know, as you, as you well know, uh, a guy getting paid uh, what people think is a lot of money means that he suddenly has to be a superstar. Uh, and the fact that yeah. Bay, Bay's is worse this year, to be fair, than he was last year. So, in that, oh, in, yeah, that in that way, like, but I think either way, even if he was, if he, even if he was the exact same player this year that he was last year, I feel like people would still be mad at him because of the contract, which is crazy. But you know how that works. Well, yeah, and, and I mean the other the other factor here is that he's not he hasn't been as good as Tim Hardaway Jr. And by the way, you're going to give Tim Hardaway a massive contract, or you're going to lose him. Yep. <laughs> so, um, and then probably Tim will not be quite as good next year as he has been this year. That's the way this stuff works. And it's not to say that Tim is you know or or Kent stepped up for the contract or was playing for the money. It's to say that sometimes these things ebb and flow, and sometimes a guy has a down year in a contract year. And some team gets him on a lower than they should have gotten him deal. And, and that works out really well. Other times, a guy, you know, I mean, they, they, the Hawks got Tim Hardaway at the absolute nadir of his value. He was basically, the, the Knicks weren't even sure he could ever be a rotation player because of how poorly he played in his last year there. And last year, he was not very good. This year, Tim's been great. They've needed him because Ken hasn't been quite as good. I think with Kent Bazemore, you've got a guy who is, um, you know, 27? Yep. 27. 27. Um, and probably still has another five years or more of being just, like, all energy, great athleticism, and can hit that three when you need him to. Um, obviously not quite at as high a rate as you'd like this year, but, you know, 34% still good, and he he's he's – his energy and his ability to shoot and his athleticism are going to keep him as a relevant NBA player and that you're not going to regret this deal unless he gets seriously injured, in which case, you know, whatever. But you're not going to regret this deal because you're paying him the kind of salary that in today's NBA is really for your fourth or your fifth best player. And he can be that because because he's got the tools. Do you want him to work on his efficiency? You, He absolutely should spend this offseason – figuring out what can make him a more efficient player. But beyond that, this is a guy who's great to have in the locker room, great to have on the court, and uh, he just needs to figure out exactly what he's doing when he's on the court and, and how to make himself maximize. Yeah, I think you know part of it with Bazemore is, as you said, is Hardaway, and that's a whole other conversation because now that now that they traded the they traded the first round pick for Hardaway, now that he's actually good, he's a free agent. Uh, it's one of those funny things. Yeah. 
Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, Bazemore is, it's, it's, a, it's really tough because I, I actually almost feel for him because of Hardaway and because the Hawks drafted two first round rookies that people want to see. Um, and you know, that we've seen more of Prince recently and Bembry's, uh, sort of farther away, it seems like, but even then, uh, it's going to be an interesting decision that the Hawks have to make with both of those guys. And of course the Hardaway contract, because you have Bazemore in the books and there's only so many spots on the wing, top of Cephalosha's a free agent, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, people long I mean, for this. Part- Go ahead. Part of the problem that led to the Corver trade and that, you know, um, is that for the last couple of years, we've, we've talked about how the Hawks didn't have enough wings, didn't have good enough wings. And now, like, the whole team is wings, and they've got, like, the worst backup point guard in the league in Malcolm Delaney. Um, you know, they've got... Uh, Jose Calderon is now the backup point guard. Congratulations to everybody on that. Oh, yeah. I, I forgot about that. I'm sorry. No, you're um, fine. Four, yeah, four, four games I'm, in a row now. I'm sorry. I've, I've been making fun of that on the on previous I, episodes. Yeah. I mean, we're talking like a situation where, you know, a guy like Delaney or a guy like, um, you know, bringing in Ilyasova because they didn't have a backup power forward, really. Like, they spent so much money on wings. The wing players are notoriously um, a bit – it's it's really easy to predict which wing players you want to have and then hope that one of them has a good shooting season or a good shooting month or a good shooting week. Uh, but wing players – rotation level but not particularly great wing players are very streaky even the stars are clay thompson's super streaky jimmy butler is streaky um you know and and so when you're when you're talking about this team like they really went away from what i thought made them so special which was was that they didn't really care about replaceable wing players uh and now they've got this overload and 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 spending both first rounders on wing players and you knew you needed a backup point guard didn't make sense to me um and and so this this team is like sort of all these wing players who are all kind of like, I don't know if Tarian Prince's max upside is much better than Kent Bazemore or Tim Hardaway's. And, and uh, that, that's how puts Budenholzer in a weird position where he's trying to figure out how to sort out minutes. He's going with the most ready to play guys right now because they're in a playoff hunt and you can't really blame him, but there's so little differentiation between the, the six wing players that they started the season with. Um, that that I think it's it's sort of confusing. You could argue that Mike Dunleavy, on a, on a different team, Mike Dunleavy might be the best of the wing players on the Hawks because he's the best shooter, and uh, it's it, it creates this weird logjam for minutes. Basemore is not taking minutes away from Prince. He might be better than Prince. Prince might never be better than him. It's it's really hard to say at this point. Yeah, there's a long way to go with that, and I, you know, it was that's part of the uh, it's part of the uh, you know the weird thing about them taking two you know older college players at wings as well. It wasn't, it wasn't like they, w- they took one upside guy. I think Prince has more yeah. upside, but it wasn't like they took a swing on those guys either. It was sort of a weird path, and I like both those guys, but you know, long way to go yeah. there. Um, before I let you investing, out of here, a lo- investing a lot of a lot of money and a lot of developmental time on a on sort of low upside wings is a strange strategy to me. It really is. Even with Hawks University and all that stuff, uh, it is an interesting pathway that we can probably get into deeper at a later point. Um, Before I let you get out of here, um, the Hawks are two games, as we record this, two games behind the Raptors, two and a half games against ahead of the Pacers for number five. Uh, Are are we assuming the Hawks finish fifth? I think I am. And if if we are, uh, you think they have a a reasonable chance to beat uh, the Raptors in round one? Uh, I think I'm pretty pessimistic, but I'm wondering how you feel about that. No, I mean, fifth certainly seems pretty likely in their scenario. They're actually one of the very few teams in the whole NBA that I feel somewhat confident about <laughs> where they'll finish. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, as a result, 
you know, I think the best way I can say it is the Hawks can totally beat the Raptors, and the Raptors can totally beat the Hawks. It's going to be an oddball series of sort of strength on strength because we're going to see, uh, and weakness on weakness, because we're going to see, you know, Valanchunas and, and Dwight clog things up and then get taken off the court and both teams play better and they don't want to really admit it. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, it's it's uh, Ibaka versus Ibaka versus um, Millsap's going to be f- really fascinating matchup, but we have uh, we have a couple teams. I mean, nothing's really sure about the Raptors until Kyle Lowry's back and showing that he can still be that forty percent three point shooter. And uh, if he's not, the Hawks can totally advance. And if the Celtics steal the two, steal the one, and from from the Cavs, maybe some things cracked in the exact right direction. And you know, the next thing you know, you got yourself another Eastern Conference Finals appearance. Um, and against the Wizards, maybe John Wall breaks his hand. So, you know. We've seen that uh, before. Yeah, we have. So, you know, the exact right thing is breaking. The way the East has been so fragile, really the Celtics are the only team that have been sort of there all season and not lost an important player at any point. And, um, you know, it's it's a, it's an East that I think is more up for grabs than a lot of people want to, want to uh, discuss if Kevin Love isn't healthy or if the Cavs continue to fail to, to mesh properly. Um, and, and so I, I, that's why I like the fact that they kept Millsap was that there's still some opportunity here. There's still the chance to do something and uh, we'll see. Yeah. I think the Hawks, uh, Hawks fans should be rooting hard for the Celtics to get the number one seed because they don't want to see the Cavs. Uh, even without Kevin Love, that's a nightmare matchup as we've seen multiple times, yeah. but uh, Raptors and but Celtics maybe, in a row would be good. But the Wizards could, if the if the Cavs are still not quite solid and the and the Wizards are still playing really well, the Wizards could totally knock off the Cavs, and the Wizards might be a better matchup for the Hawks. So that's how these things work. You you've got to let the scenarios play out. And again, like like I said, I'm glad that the Hawks kept Paul Millsap because I think they have a chance to maybe advance a little further than than some of their fans expect. Although I got to tell you, man, and I th- I think you were uh, you were on the same team as me when when the Hawks had that hot start to the season and. Some of some Hawks fans, some of the people probably listening to this podcast, <laughs> you guys, you guys were telling me that they were better than a sixty-two win team. That happened, yes, nine, nine and two start. It was happened. Yep. <laughs> so I don't think they're better than the sixty-two win team. No, they're not, and it's it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens. That's, I think people are gonna take that. Gonna leave you with. <laughs> yeah, pe- pe- people are gonna be excited that you uh, painted the, the rosy picture about the playoffs. So we'll we'll leave it there and have people still like you at the end of this thing, Adi. Uh, p- plug anything you want. I can't imagine anybody follows me and doesn't follow you. But if they don't for some reason, tell them where they can find your stuff, man. Yeah, um, you can follow me on Twitter at Adi Joseph on Facebook at facebook.com slash Adi Joseph NBA, all one word. And mostly just read for the win. We, we cover sports from the fans' perspective and, and uh, kind of a more, I don't want to say a lighthearted, but you know, fun approach to, to sports. And uh, so hopefully just follow for the win on Twitter, follow for the win on Facebook, and go to ftw.usatoday.com. I recommend that uh, for sure. And follow Adi. He's uh, one of the best in the business. Thanks for doing this, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. As for everybody else, we'll be back tomorrow. And uh, stay tuned.